Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. We're sort of beginning the year, and, and I don't know how you've found it. We've, we've been finding it, I've been loving it, and our campus has been loving it, and I trust that you've been loving Is We've said, God, this is the year of salvation for us. This is the year of salvation for Ormo. This is the year of salvation for our community that you live in, for the people that you live, work, and laugh with. We're looking at the story of Exodus. And I love this story of Exodus, and I love to see what God has done. But before we pick up in this story at, at Exodus chapter 15, I want to share with you a story. Uh, back in the, nine, in the early 1990s, Nike bought out a pair of shoes called Nike Air Jordans. Who remembers Nike Air Jordans? Who was rich enough to have a pair of Nike Air Jordans? There's one down the front. Anyone else? I'm going to rob him for his Nike Air Jordans that are probably worth a fortune right now. Now, I was 14 years old in the early 1990s, and I desperately wanted a pair of Nike Air Jordans. But I come from a family who couldn't afford a pair of Nike Air Jordans. And so what I did is I, I got my nag on. Got my nag on, I got to my parents, and at breakfast, and at lunch, actually I was at school at lunch, but if I had a phone, I would have been texting my parents at that point, but certainly at dinner time, and then at bedtime, I was nagging, I was telling my parents all the stats about Nike Air Jordans and how beneficial they are for my feet, I had no idea, but I was making it up, and, and, and I remember I desperately wanted a pair of Nike Air Jordans, and I remember the glorious day. I remember the day when dad said, all right, enough is enough, and we're going to go get you a pair of Nike Air Jordans. So I remember the night before, couldn't sleep. Woke up at numerous times during the night, full of expectation, full of excitement. There's a pair of Nike Air Jordans right there on the screen. And I remember waking up at like five o'clock in the morning, bing, ready to go. And, and I remember dad taking me to, I, we grew up in Victoria. Don't hold that against me. We, we saw the, the, I saw the light and came to Queensland. Uh, but anyway, I remember dad took me to the Victoria market. So I was excited about going to the Victoria market. I was excited about getting my very first and only pair of Nike Air Jordans. But on arrival, I discovered that the Victoria Market doesn't actually sell Nike Jordans. It sells knockoffs of every version of shoe. And so as I walked in, I scoured and I looked through every, every shop and every location trying to find a pair of shoes that looked like that with the little man on the front with Jordan on the on the And I was so excited, and, but I didn't find any. But what I did find was a pair of Air Jordashis. They may or may not have been a legitimate knockoff. They were called Air Jordashes. I can still remember the name because I'm a little bit scarred over it. But anyway, and I remember, I remember finding these pair of Air Jordashes and looking at them. They were black, kind of like that, and a little bit of white. They didn't actually have the little Jordan man. They had like a, 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 a picture of a horse head. I'm not quite sure what that was about. But anyway, they were Air Jordashes. They had like that little air cell at the back. They weren't see-through. I'm pretty sure it was just drawn on. I'm not really quite sure what that was. But I remember picking up the shoes and going, you know what? If you screened, they kind of look like Air Jordans. So I said, yes. And I treasured them and I valued them. But I settled that day for a pair of Nike or, uh, Air Jordashes. And I remember the next day taking them to school. And I remember, you know, I had to wear school shoes, black school shoes. And I remember at recess pulling out my Air Jordashes. And I was so proud of these Air Jordashes until the moment where I realized that all my mates weren't proud of my Air Jordashes. And for the rest of the week, they teased me of my Air Jordashes. 
They, they told me that these weren't real Nike Air Jordans and they heckled me and they teased me for the rest of my week and I didn't wear them again at school. See, every one of us settled for something. And they, the, the, the nation of Israel had settled themselves to the fact that they were, in the, they were in Egypt, they were under oppression, and that nothing was going to change about this situation. And I felt God saying to me to say to you this morning that I don't want you to settle either. See, I don't want you this morning to settle for anything less than God's best. So this morning we're going to pick up, uh, we're going to read from Exodus chapter 15, verse 22 through verse 27. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles or you can read it on the screen behind me, uh, it'll be just up there. And it goes like this. Then Moses led Israel out of the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding any water. Then they came to Moriah and could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Moriah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to God, and Lord showed him a piece of wood. He said, throw it into the water, and it will become fit to drink. Then the Lord issued a ruling and instructed them and put, in, and, and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his eyes. If you'll pay attention to his commands and to all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the disasters I brought on the Egyptians. I am the Lord who heals you. Then he said to Elam, then, he, then they came to Elam, and there was 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Let me rewind just a few moments. The, Israel, the nation of Israel has just escaped captivity in Egypt. They've just crossed the Red Sea. They've just celebrated escaping Egypt and escaping Pharaoh and this terrible slavery and torture and captivity that they'd only known for most of their life or for most of them all of their life. And they've just seen God take out Pharaoh's elite crack troop of army, ensuring that there's safety and ensuring that now they could walk in with a sense of freedom, heading towards the promised land. Could you imagine what that must have been like for them? To have only known captivity, to have only known slavery, and now free. Imagine what they must have been like. They're finally free. Free to see what God is going to do, free to have experienced a whole lot of miracles that they've been in the midst of. And yet three days later, we find that the nation of Israel, what are they doing? They're whining, they're grumbling, and they're complaining. And it sounds a lot like my children. I've got three kids. I've got Allegra, who's 12. I've got Reuben, who's 10. And I've got Jude, who's four. And we go, we go camping. We go on holidays every September for a couple of weeks, and we go up to the Sunshine Coast. Now, I just need a little bit of uh, campus participation. Who is a, who's a hotel holiday person? Awesome. Now, put your hand up if you're a camping holiday person. All right, now, leave your hand up if you're a camping holiday person that wishes desperately, please, Jesus, that you would be a hotel holiday person. 
I've got, I've got two hands up. I have three kids, and we can only afford the camping holiday version of our holidays. But anyway, we do camping every week. We go two weeks up to Coolum, up the Sunshine Coast. It's amazing. Don't everyone go there because I'm not going to get a spot. But we go up there every single year, and we have this couple of weeks leading up to our holiday when we are so excited. The kids are excited. They're telling stories about the things that they've done in past years. They're telling stories about the stuff that they're going to do this year. They're telling stories about the friends that they've met, the friends that they're going to meet, Spotlight activity they're going to do at night, and the ways they're going to get in trouble in the caravan park because of the pastor's kids. And they're going to talk. They're going to tell. They're telling about the ice creams that they're going to eat. They're going to talk about the beach trips and the skate park and and everything else that they're going to experience. And so we are filled with expectation, and we are all filled with anticipation, and we are filled with excitement. And that roughly lasts till around about the corner of the M1 and the M2 freeways is roughly around about 10 to 15 minutes from my house. And then it begins. And it goes like this. Hey, Dad, are we there yet? Dad, I pulled my hair. Dad, I'm thirsty. Dad, I've got to go to the toilet. Dad, can we stop and get an ice cream? Dad, can we stop and get Maccas? Dad, she pulled a face at me. Dad, he hit me. And it goes on and on. And I spend what feels like the next 18 hours of my life, which on reality is actually only about an hour and 45 minutes. And, I, and what we do is we spend these whole next of the time brokering peace deals and diffusing border disputes in the back seat of my car so that the kids don't kill, kill each other, but more importantly, that the parents don't kill the children in the back seat of our car. See, isn't this human nature? Isn't human nature that we see or experience something amazing? We go on a holiday, we get a new car, we do something, we, get the, we finally get the pair of Air Jordans, we, whatever it might be, we experience a miracle from God, and it's like five minutes later, we find ourselves grumbling and whinging and complaining and forgetting what God has done. We're kind of like just really big goldfishes, going round and round in the fishbowl. And I don't know about you, but I read this story, and if nothing else, it makes me feel better about myself. It makes me feel better about my family. Because Israel, the nation of Israel has already forgotten what God has done. And they're settling just to grumble and whinge about water instead of remembering what God has done. See, church, whether you're in the middle of one of the most challenging seasons of your life or whether you're not, sometimes it's easy to forget God's provision and to begin to worry and grumble. But Moses does what he should do for once. He cries out to his God. Instead of protesting, he begins to pray. And church, that's what hard, this is what hard times and, and difficult seasons can do for each one of us. It causes us to come back to God, to fall back to him and go, God, we need you in these moments when we're in pain, we've got to pray. And God answers Moses by showing him a piece of wood. And Moses takes the piece of wood. And he does something a little bit crazy and something that doesn't make sense. He throws it into the stream and the stream turns from bitter water to sweet water. From water that cannot be drunk to water that can be drunk. And then God says this in verse 26. If you listen carefully to my voice of the Lord, your God, 
and do what is right in his eyes. If you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. And then God says this. He says, I am the Lord God who heals. See, he's likening their holiness with their health. And he declares that he is their God who heals. You see, what we don't understand is this. This was at the end of a, of a season of history where, where God was absent from the nation of Israel. When God had gone quiet for such a long period of time. And then God reintroducing himself to, to the nation of Israel makes a bunch of statements and calls himself a bunch of names. And the first one that he calls himself is Jeho the Jireh. Who's old enough to remember that song? Jeho the Jireh. I'm not going to sing anymore because that would wreck it for Jimmy. But the next name he calls himself is Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha is the word, the Hebrew word that we translate into English in this phrase that says, I am your God who heals. I am your paramedic. I am your healer. I am your physician is what, it trans, what they, that word, those words translate into. God introduces himself as a new, as a, as a God who wants a relationship with them. He wants them to realize that he is their provider, but more than that, he's not just their provider, but he's also their healer. He is the one that can heal them. So he gives them a bunch of rules and regulations around what they're to eat and what they're not to eat and the hygiene rules and everything else. And for them, it seemed a little bit crazy and it didn't make sense. And yet to us in 2019, it makes incredible sense. See, God gave rules like when you've gone to the bathroom, go wash your hands. I'm not going to ask for any hands if who's not done that this morning. But he asked them, he said, you know what, it's important to do things like that. Now, we, we in common, you know, in 2009, go, well, that's common sense, and that's what makes sense. Because, but for them back in that day, it made no sense to them. But because God made them, and he knew how they were created, and he knew how to protect them from, from different things, he put some things in place to help them to protect them. And give them health. God tells Israel that he is able to help them and heal them from all sorts of sickness. And I want to declare this morning that our God is the same God that spoke to Israel. And our God this morning is the same God who's called Jehovah Rapha. He is our healer. And I want to say this morning that God is our God and he still heals today. I want to share with you a little bit of my journey. See, if someone had to come to me and said, Dave, you're going to be standing in a church like this down in Ormo, and you're going to be talking about God's supernatural healing and the healing that can come from God, I would have probably told you you were maybe lying. See, for me, I'd gone through a whole journey of I grew up in a, in, a, in a Christian home, made a decision for Jesus when I was 18 years old, but I grew up in a fairly Christian, conservative Christian home, and I never saw God do anything miraculous. You see, I read the Bible, and I, and, I saw, and I read story after story in here where God healed and did miraculous things, but in my own life, I didn't know anyone. I'd never seen God do anything miraculous. You know, I heard about God healing people in Africa and Asia and all, all around the world, but I'd never seen him do it in my own church or in my own life. All that I had to go from was, you know, kind of the, the, the early morning, Sunday morning TV show evangelists that for whatever reason wear white suits and seem to be pushing over people. And I was, to be honest, I was really skeptical and I was also really scared about all of that and I just was really unsure. 
But I'll say to you this morning, what I've seen God do in the last two years and the journey that God has had me on, and what I've seen God do in the last seven months of, of our Logan campus online has blown my mind. And so I stand here this morning and say, you know what? Our God, Jehovah Father, the one who says his words are, he is our healer. I believe without a shadow of a doubt this morning that he is still that God. And he still can bring healing and wholeness to our lives. But I will share with you three ways and three ways that I see God healing. Let me preemptively warn you, none of these are probably rocket science. I'm not that smart. I live in Logan. But three ways where I've seen God heal in profound ways. The first way I see God healing is through medical science. So if you know a doctor or if you are a doctor or a nurse or a paramedic, I want to honor you and I want to thank you for the God-given gift that he's given you. Because these people blow my mind and I don't understand how they think and what they think. But they're able to walk into a situation and diagnose, do some tests and diagnose some things and bring some health and wholeness around people. It's a God-given gift. Five years ago, some really close friends of ours, they're both paramedics, had been praying and believing God for a baby. And finally, they were able to have this little baby. And he was a little Eli was one week old when Kelly, his mom, was just feeding him one morning and he was not seeming right. He was kind of really drowsy and not coherent and wasn't quite sure what was going on. She was trying to do a, a pulse check and she could find a, a super irregular pulse, but she could barely find a pulse. And she, she's a paramedic. She knows what to do. And so she, she called the ambos and the ambos came straight out and they took him into the, the Marta Hospital, Marta Children's Hospital in the city. And I remember as she was sitting in the ambulance with him in tears over this little baby boy that she'd been leaving for and praying for. She said, Dave, can you come? So her husband was coming from work and I jumped in the car and I, and I drove into the city, the Marta Hospital. And I remember standing around the, the crib of this little one-week-old little boy. No one knew what was going on. No one knew why he was how he was. That they, had, they had all sorts of machines and things, and they couldn't figure out what was going with his heart beating. It was irregular, and he was drowsy and everything else. And I did what all I could do, was, which was this. I said, you know what? Let's gather around, and we're going ha- to lay hands always under the little, so we kind of laid fingers on this little baby boy. And we prayed for God's healing. I said, you know what? If our God is still the God that can heal, then maybe he can heal a little baby boy like this. So we gathered around and we began to pray. And God healed that little boy. But the healing looked like like this. There happened to be a doctor, a specialist. There happened to be walking past the entrance to the door of their room. And he happened to be in that particular hospital. And he happened to be at that particular place at that particular time. Now, this specialist normally isn't in that hospital. And this specialist normally isn't in that place at all. And he happened to be at that particular place and happened to be at that particular time. And he happened to look in their room. And he thought, you know, I'm going to go and see what's going on because it was a little, he could clearly see there was a level of uncertainty and fear of what was going on. So he walked in with a few moments, was able to diagnose little Eli with a condition called Wolf Parkinson White Syndrome, which is a syndrome that means that his little heart has a little short circuit. And so it was beating up to 350 beats per minute. So when they couldn't find a pulse, that because his, his little heart was beating over time. And this could kill him if we didn't be careful. And the rest of the healing happened because there's a drug called Flecknade. 
And flecknade is a drug that restores regular heartbeat to his little heart. Church, we believe in a God who can heal. And sometimes he uses medical science. Sometimes he uses people with a gift of being able to see things and be able to use their brains and use their training to be able to heal people. But God also, God also heals us through supernatural ways. Now, I don't know where you are in your journey. I don't know who you are or what your personal perspective of this is. But I reckon for some of us here this morning, when I say that God can heal supernaturally, some of us go, well, that's a little bit out there, and I'm a little bit scared, and I'm a little bit nervous, and I just want to say, welcome to the family. But I want to tell you a couple of stories this morning. Three weeks ago in our campus at Logan, one of the very first things that we decided to do was, one of the very first ministry we launched at Logan was a prayer meeting. So from day one, we've been a praying church. They've been pressing into God like never before. Can I encourage you? Every single campus prays between 6 and 7 p.m. Can I encourage you to make it here, to make it a priority? I know, look, I've got three little kids. I've got a wife, and I know it's a really, it's probably the worst time possibly known to man to run a prayer meeting. But you know what we do? We make it work. Because for us, prayer is a priority. And we are seeing God do incredible and ridiculous things. And I'm going to I'm I'm put it on the fact that we've got a praying church that's hungry for the presence of God and is hungry for God. That's my little rant over. And so anyway, we've, we, three weeks ago in our prayer meeting, uh, there's a, a new couple, Neil and Lynn Biggs, and they're brand new to our church. They came for the first time that Sunday, and they came along to our prayer meeting. So we're in the middle of our prayer meeting, and, and I felt like God said, Dave, what I want you to do is I want you to get uh, Lynn and Neil, I want you to just get them in the middle, and we're just going to gather around. I just want to pray God's blessing on their life. I'm like, okay, I can do that. So I go, hey, uh, Neil and Lynn, why don't you jump in the middle? We're just going to gather around. So 20-odd people gathered around, and we just started laying hands and just going, we're just going to simply pray for God's blessing. You know what happened next? Nothing. Like, no angels descended from, heart, you know, from, from heaven with harps and, like, little bow and arrows and all that type of... Like, it was just... It was, like, it was great, and it was done. Anyway, I'm, I'm preparing. Sunday morning, I'm getting my head in the, in the game for, to preach at our campus, and all of a sudden, Neil busts into my office just before church, freaks me out, and goes, did you know what happened on Tuesday night? I'm like, I've got no idea what happened. Actually, let me think. My kid slept through for the very first time in a long time, praise Jesus. But I'm pretty sure that's not what you're talking about. Okay, well, I'm not sure. And he goes, all right, all right. No, 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 what happened? What happened at a prayer meeting? I'm like, okay. Nah, you've got me again. I don't know. He goes, this is what happened. You know how you got us in the middle? And I'm thinking, you know what? It was a great prayer meeting. But again, no angels descended from on high playing harps or drum kits or electric guitars. And, uh, and, and, and so I'm like, I can't remember the really the, all the exact details of the prayer meeting. He goes, you know what, you, remember when you got us in the middle? I'm like, ah, oh, I remember that part. He goes, well, then you prayed for me. And I go, did I? Okay, I'll, yes, you tell the story. He goes, what happened next was you didn't realize, but I've had chronic shoulder issues, and no doctors could diagnose what was going on. And I've constant pain in my shoulder for a really, really long time. And we've been a specialist, and they don't know what's going on. But at that moment when... When you caught us in the middle, you laid your hand on my shoulder. You know when someone puts their hand on the shoulder, two things happen. One, you can feel pressure, uh, and two, you can feel heat. We said, what happened next is you took your hand off, but I still feel the pressure, and I still felt the heat. He said, Dave, God's healed me. From the moment that you've prayed to, the, to today, I've not experienced any pain in my shoulder whatsoever. 
two weeks ago, there was a lady in our church, and I, and I remember, I only remember this because she's brand new to our church, and I remember her walking in, but I remember her walking in with a significant limp. And I only remember this because I remember watching her walk out, and she wasn't walking with a limp when she walked in. And I didn't really think anything of it until I kind of mentioned to one of the volunteers and said, hey, that lady that kind of walked in with a limp and kind of walked out with that, and she goes, yeah, did you hear the story? I'm like, no. He goes, well, let me tell you the story, okay? So what happened is at the end of the service, we're praying for this lady, and she was the lady behind the lady. So she wasn't even the one getting prayed for. She was like the lady behind the lady. And, 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 and we were just praying, we're laying hands and praying over the lady. And, and the lady behind the lady, well, she had this lump, uh, a cyst about the same size as a tennis ball on the back of her knee. And in the middle of prayer, because remember, she was the lady behind the lady. While we're praying for the lady who was in front of the other lady, the lump that was on the back of her knee disappeared and went straight in the back of her knee. I can tell you a story of Thursday. I'm talking with a guy in my office, and he goes, Dave, you know what? Last Sunday when you preached about our God is a God who heals, I came forward because I've had chronic back issues. You know what? Funny thing is, I've not had any back issues since Sunday when you all got around and prayed. Let me bring this really closely to home. This morning at 1 a.m., I'm in the middle of preparing to get my heart ready for what God's going to do this morning. 1 a.m., my wife makes, wakes me up. She's in tears because she looks like she's just uh, in the Rocky, you know, Rocky number four, where there's Rocky versus the Russian guy, and like he gets punched in the eyes so many times, they kind of just swell up in these little slits. Well, I thought my wife was Rocky for a, for a really horrific moment. Something had happened during that last hour or two while she was asleep, and her eyes had swelled up, and she could almost no longer see. And what began to happen is that her nose had begun to close over, and she was struggling to breathe. And I'm going, God, what are you doing? And it felt like God reminded me, going, Dave, do you remember that I am your healer? And this is kind of one of those moments where God said to the nation of Israel, I'm going to put you to the test. So we called Triple O to get an ambulance out of my house at one o'clock this morning. Once I hung up from that, I said, God, I'm risking it all on you right now. And I'm calling to the God who tomorrow morning I'm going to talk about as a God who heals. So I gathered around my wife and I just laid hand and I said, God, I don't know what's going on, but God, we are going to stand together in faith and stand together with a level of expectation. And we know that you're a God who can heal. And so God, right now we are crying out to the God that can heal to take away whatever is going on in my wife's body. So we spent a few moments just praying together. Do you know what happened next? Over the next 10 or 15 minutes, her eyes began to clear up. Now, you don't know this, but for half an hour, and I didn't know this, but for half an hour, 45 minutes prior to this, her eyes had gradually, she woke up with them kind of really bad, and it just got horrifically worse over that half hour, 45 minutes before she'd woken me up. And in 15 minutes, they began to clear themselves to the point where we called the ambulance and said, don't worry about coming out. Church, I want to say to you, I don't understand why or how God heals some supernaturally and not others supernaturally. But I've come to a place in my journey that I stand here this morning and I go, you know what? God is a God who said himself, he is someone who can heal. And at 1 a.m. this morning, we saw God do it. And I'm more convinced than ever 
that our God is a God that can heal supernaturally. And our God is a healer. But I know the struggle that so many of us struggle with. And the struggle goes like this. Yeah, but Dave, you don't know my story. You don't know me. See, I've been praying for, for God's supernatural healing. And I've been going to the doctors and I've been asking for, for diagnosis and prognosis and no one can fix it. And it seems to be only getting worse. And you don't know what that's like. And I want to say to you this morning, I want to say it really carefully and cautiously. Maybe I do. So 10 years ago, I experienced, while I was sitting on my couch in Cleveland, I got a phone call from overseas. My parents had just run six weeks worth of missions trips in the, in, in the Philippines. And I got a phone call saying, hey, you know what? Just to let you know, your dad's had a massive heart attack and we're not sure what's going on. We'll keep you in the loop. 24 hours later, I'm sitting on an airplane going to the Philippines. I remember standing, landing, and going straight to the airport and gathering around with my brother and my sister and my mom as we gathered around Dad's bed. And we stood together and we said, God, we are praying right now with faith in our hearts, with expectation in our hearts. And God, we, you've not finished with my dad. God, you've only just beginning, you've only just begun the work that you're doing with my dad in this new season. And God, you've not finished. And so God, we're gonna pray and we're gonna plead and we're gonna cry out to you this morning. Two days later, we switched off my dad's life support. And we said goodbye to my dad. Church, I know what it's like to pray and to believe and not always see God work how, like I thought that he should. And I know that it's easy to give up on church. And I know that it's easy to give up on God. And I know it's easy to get bitter and angry at him or the church and anyone else who stands in the way. But I want to share with you this morning, and I want to so sensitively say to you this morning, if that's you, if you've been hurt and you've been, you feel better or angry at God or the church or whoever, I want to say really carefully and cautiously and caringly this morning that maybe, just maybe, our God is still a God who supernaturally heals. And maybe, just maybe, our God is still a God who heals today. Because God's promise, this is his word. This is not my word, this is his word. And his promise is that he is the Lord, our healer. But there's one more way that God heals. And he heals through the one that's gonna be on the screen. There we go. God heals the sometimes not in this life. I don't know if you've heard of the, the pastor and evangelist, Tony Campolo. Tony Campolo tells a story about he was asked to go and preach at a church. And after the church, after the church service had finished, he was asked to, to go and pray for a guy with cancer, terminal cancer. So they gathered around, he gathered around, he began to pray for God's healing over his body. And that week he got a phone call from the, from the man's wife saying, you prayed for my husband and he had cancer. Tony Campolo listened to it and went, that's awesome. She said, had, and so that means it's gone and it's been eradicated. And then she said this, no, he died. And he went, oh. And there was silence on the other end of the phone, on Tony's end of the phone. It was awkward. He'd know what to say. And then she said, Tony, don't feel bad. When you saw him, he was filled with anger. 
He knew he was going to die in a short period of time, and he hated God. He was 58 years old, and he wanted to see his children and grandchildren grow up. He was angry at an all-powerful God who, who wasn't able to heal him of his sickness. And he would lie in bed at night and he would curse God. She said the more he grew angry at God and grew angry towards God, the more miserable he was to everyone around him. It was awful being in his presence. The lady then said to Tony Campolo, after you prayed for him, a peace came over him and a joy came into him. Tony, the last three days have been the best of our lives, the best of our marriage. We've laughed together and we've sung together. We've read the Bible together. We've prayed together. These days have been wonderful. And I call to you to, to thank you for praying for my husband. And then she said something profound. She said, he wasn't cuing, but he was healed. Church, I don't know why. I don't know why God chooses to heal some people supernaturally and other people not. I don't understand why or how he, he picks and seemingly chooses, but I hold on to his passages like Isaiah 55. The message version says this, I don't think the way you think, the way you work isn't the way I work. For as the sky soars above the earth, the way I work surpasses the way you work. The way I think is beyond the way you think. So God tells Moses, God tells Moses, Moses, go pick up the stick. Now, I don't know about you, but if that was me, I'd be looking at two million people grumbling and whinging and really, really thirsty. And God goes, go pick up a stick. And I'm looking at the stick going, God, I'm not sure how useful this is. In fact, I'm pretty sure that this one stick is not overly useful. Or is it just me? But what he does is he takes the stick and he throws it in the water. And the water begins to become sweet. I felt like God wanted to say to Moses as he wants to say to us this morning. That God wants to remind us that his ways are higher than our ways. He wants to remind us this morning that he works just a little bit differently than the way I work. He thinks a little bit bigger than I think. You see, we all put God in a box at times and God wants to remind us, I'm not a God who wants to be in your little tiny box. So look at my dad. And look at the fact that 10 years ago, my life changed forever when his life ended. And I didn't like the fact that my dad died. But today I want to say to you, I love the fact that my dad died because my brother came to know Jesus as a result. And look at what God has done through his death. Church, we've got to understand that, that God's view of our life and God's view of eternity is so much different than my view. That when we go, God, I don't like what you're doing and I don't understand what you're doing. We've got to trust and reassure in him and go, God, your ways are bigger and your ideas are smarter than my ideas and what seems like it and what seems like over. Maybe just, is it over? Because in a couple hundred years' time, a stick was going to be put in a form of a cross that was erected to 
to hold the body of his son. And that stick would not just bring water, uh, sweetness to water, but from those moments on would change our lives, or have the potential to change our lives from those moments on. But it required faith from Moses. Moses stopped and he cried out to God and he threw the stick even though he wasn't sure if it was a good idea or even if it was going to work, but he did it simply because he was asked to do it by God. See, this morning, each one of us, God requires faith from. See, any way we look at it, we all put our faith in something or we all put our faith in someone. Faith is an important part of our healing. And some people have mistaken and say, you know, if you've just got enough faith, then you can be healed. But also the flip side of that is also, you know, we've heard people go, you know what, if you had enough faith, then you weren't, sorry, you weren't healed because you didn't have enough faith and they've beaten up with that one. But then you hear people go, you know what, the other end of the spectrum is this, that I don't believe that God can really heal anyone, so I'm not going to pray about anything in my life. See, the, Bible, the proper biblical perspective, if we can say that, is that we're going to pray earnestly to God. We've got to have faith to believe that he can heal. And we've got to be careful in demanding our answer and our timing according to our will and rest assured that it's in his timing and his will for our lives. Joni Tata. Joni Tata who is a, a wheelchair, a person in a wheelchair who is in a wheelchair as a result of, of a dive, a tragic diving accident, once said this, God certainly can and sometimes heal God's people in miraculous ways today. The Bible does not teach that he always, that he will always heal those who come to him in faith. His sovereignty reserves the right to heal or not heal as he sees fit. T. Hansel writes, he says, I've prayed hundreds if not thousands of times for God to heal me. And finally, God healed me. He just healed me of the need of being healed. This morning as we close this service, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. What is it that you're settling for? What is it that you want from God? I've got three kids. My kids don't have a problem of coming to me and asking for stuff. Dad, can I have a new phone? Dad, can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have... You know, not once have I ever had my kids come to me and go, oh, Father, if it is your will to bless me with some lunch, then that... No, no, they just come and they get, Dad, I'm hungry. After service, can, can I have a chicken burger from the Beyond Barbecue? Sometimes they say, please. Most of the time, they unfortunately don't. God is our heavenly father who wants to give good gifts to his children. What are you settling for? This morning, are you settling for a mediocre marriage that is filled with fighting and conflict? This morning, are you settling for and resigned yourself to the fact that there is someone that you desperately love, like I did my brother, who was far from God? And you just resign, you've settled to the fact that, you know what, Phil is never going to come to know Jesus, no matter how hard I pray or push. What are you settling for this morning? 
Are you settling for some situations in your finances that seem bleak and impossible? Are you settling for an addiction that is rampant over your life that you just seem to not be able to break? I felt like God wanted me to come here this morning and say, from one father to his children, what do you want from me? I'm a good father who gives good gifts. What are you settling for? Because that you're settling not for my best for you. Are you settling for an issue that you just need God's healing for this morning? See, God is the God that we read throughout Scripture that is a God who is our healer. I've told you stories of what God is doing in our campus and what God is doing across all the campuses and, and the crazy and ridiculous ways. And you heard my story, guys. I was really skeptical and I was really scared and I was really nervous about, about all of that stuff. And yet I've come to the point of going, God, you are. You are a God who heals. God, you are a God who saves. So this morning, let's not settle for less than God's best for your life. I want to challenge you this morning. I'm going to ask you to do something as if let the crazy new uncle that's just come to down to your campus for the day. Will you risk something with me this morning? Will you raise your faith this morning? Will you expect something from God? Say, God, you know what? This is my situation. This is what I'm going through. And God, I need your hand of healing this morning. I stood in front of my own campus last week and said, maybe that's you. We had a number of people come forward for prayer. We saw a number of people get breakthrough in situations in their lives. And so this morning, I've come as the crazy uncle to encourage you to to speak to you this morning. Say, you know what? I am convinced more than ever that our God is a God who heals. He said to Moses, he said to the nation of Israel, I am your God and I am your healer. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. And so this morning we stand in confidence. So you know what? Our God is the same God of back then with the nation of Israel. He said, you know what? I'm a God who can heal. And he says to you this morning, I'm still, church, I'm still a God. I'm still your God that can heal. But it requires faith from us. It requires something from us. God wants to heal this morning. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.